Hello, and welcome to the Financial Emancipation Podcast. I'm your host, Malik Branch, and this is a podcast discussing the ways in which you can walk towards your financial emancipation. Welcome back for another week. Thank you for joining me again. Happy Women's History Month. It's March, and we're in the second week of March, or third week almost, yeah, third week of March. Oh, where has the time gone? And it's Women's History Month, and I wanted to do a podcast today kind of focused on women, centered on women. But before I do that, I want to say shout outs to the Termagit Talk podcast. It's a hip hop podcast I was on this weekend. It'll be released this week. It's hosted by Goody and Chantel. Chantel is my sister. So check it out. You can find it on all platforms. I went on that podcast kind of to discuss hip hop. My um, They were discussing women in hip hop. So I had a chance to go on and talk about my uh, perspective on some women who had an impact on me in hip hop particularly my favorite in hip-hop, my favorite woman in hip-hop, who is Trina. You would never think, but that is my favorite. Um, I'm I'm so much more conservative on this podcast, so it was cool to have an opportunity to use some foul language and, and talk a little-ish um, on that podcast about something I'm really passionate about, which is hip-hop music, music, and women in an industry, and talking about, um, you know, how women are perceived and the kind of things that women have to go up against in an industry that's dominated by men, like most industries. So that was fun. You can check them out, subscribe. They're on iTunes, on SoundCloud, Spotify. They're on all platforms. So check it out, subscribe, listen, support, and check me out on that episode um, that'll be released this week. So make sure you tune in. So I was inspired by the, um, the fact that it's Women's History Month and I've done this kind of podcast in the past, but um, I wanted to kind of touch base on touch on it again as it's Women's History Month and talk about women in finances again, which I've done before in the past. But again, as everything continues and evolves, we're going to keep having similar conversations about women, finances, money and how that kind of relates. So I want to start off by saying that, you know, we I'm not going to. I'm not going to ever stop talking about these different intersectionalities when it comes to money, right? There's women in money. There's black women in money. There's black women um, and black and Latina women in money. There's, um, you know, there's this gender money, race money, intersectionality that's always going to come up at different points because finances, money, all of these things are impacted by these these other aspects of your life, how you identify, who you are. And those things really do come to a head as it relates to your finances. So there will be different societal things that will impact your finances. And those things are some are sometimes things you cannot or you're not in control of. And so it's important that there are things that we need to discuss. So when we talk about since it's when money impacts my life and how it's kind of how the marriage of my race and my gender impact my finances. So that's what we're going to kind of touch on today. So just to start with a little bit of st- statistics, because I like to talk a little bit in numbers, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> in America, we're increasingly becoming, we're, house, we're be- increasingly becoming a nation where breadwinners are no longer men in the homes, Right. And so there's a few type of ways you describe a breadwinner. If you're a single person in a household and you are a sole earner. So in, in there's an increase of 
people in general who are soul earners, who are just earn the only earners in their household, not because they're the only earners in the household as if there's other people, but they are the only people in the household. So that makes them the soul earner. Then there's the instance where you're the soul earn, soul earner in a household where there's someone else. And so you could be, you're the breadwinner in the household as, as that's typically described, but you're, de- you're basically the sole earner in a household with other adults in the household. So this could be within the confines of a relationship or a marriage for which one person in the marriage works and brings in an income and the other person does not. It can be a co-earner in a household. So there are two people in the household and one person, it, both people earn money and that makes you just kind of co-owners. And then you can be, a co a co co earner, but also the breadwinner, because although both people who are in the household earn money, one person's earnings substantially outweigh the others, and basically allow and afford for the lifestyle that the family or the the couple is living. And so, what we're going towards now in a time in America, in the last twenty to thirty years, you're seeing a shift for which American women are increasingly becoming breadwinners in their homes and co-earners. So there was a time when women were not earners at all, right? You were in a household and the, and the man who was in the household was the sole earner. And that has that began to shift um, a while back when women started to get more educated and there were more jobs available to women so that they could be co-earners in their homes. But even then, women earned so much and substantially less than their partners that even when they were co-earners, their husbands were still breadwinners. Now you're at a space where there are a lot more co-earners in relationships and in household. And what we're going to talk about today is where women are becoming uh, so they're becoming the breadwinners or even soul earners in their households with partners. So there's a, uh, there are women who are married to another partner and that woman is to a partner and that woman is the breadwinner, meaning she earns substantially more or she is the sole earner where she's the only earner and her husband or partner is not an earner in the household. So many things have led to that, right? So there's been societal shifts that allow that. There have been some cultural shifts that have made it kind of much more acceptable than it had been in the past for a woman to out-earn her partner. Um, there have been some some cultural shifts in which women's ed- educational opportunities, particularly to advance in education beyond just a bachelor's degree, advanced education has opened up opportunities where women are earning a lot more than they used to. And the shifts in the workforce that may have made jobs that men used to do in order to be the sole earners in households have come, have come around to been diminished or lowered in a lot of ways to which those jobs are no longer available. So jobs for which maybe did not require as much education and were able to be jobs that you could get and make a, a solid living, those jobs have kind of gone away with the increase in, in, in influx of technology and things like that. So a few numbers for you. And again, when this data comes out, a lot of times it focuses on mothers. Um, I'm not sure why, <laughs> but we'll go with it for right now. So 65% of mothers um, in 2015 were sole or primary breadwinners in their household. That's all mothers across all spectrums. 65% of mothers were the sole or primary breadwinners. So part of that can include women who are single mothers, who are um, in a household without a partner, and therefore considered to be the sole earner in the household. So that number is a little bit skewed by that. Um, but if we bring it down to race, black mothers um, are 71% of black mothers are the sole or primary breadwinners in their household. And it's about 40% for Latina moms. 
So women are in these different positions of earning. So what does that mean? What 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 changes in the conversation with women about money when they are the ones who are the breadwinners? When they're the ones who are leading in the households financially, what changes, what shifts? I've had this conversation on the podcast before and I'd really be interested in hearing how you guys feel about this because in the past, there were a lot of things that were associated with being the breadwinner when it was understood that the man was the breadwinner. When a man in the past was considered to be a breadwinner, he was given a lot of space to be in control. His his status as the high earner, the earner, let's just not even say high, the earner of the money in the household made him um, or placed him in charge. He was able to make the decisions. Um, and while many people describe these instances with their grandparents or maybe their parents where yeah, dad made the money, but, but mom ran the money or organized the money. If you come into a, a, a business setting, uh, there are people who make decisions about the money and then there are people who count the money, right? So you have the executives and then you have the accountants. I don't know who has more power. I don't think the accountant has more power than the executives. And so the fact that grandma was counting the money or mom was counting the money and and accounting for the money, did that give her the same power as the person who was bringing it in? And those kind of examples come up where it's like, if if, if you're the sole breadwinner, you decide where we live. Again, when this was a male dominated thing, it would be like, if dad got a new job in Milwaukee, well, we was moving to Milwaukee, right? Um, like those type of decisions where he he had the power to decide. And I'm wondering if and with women as these breadwinners, are they able to tap in to that same power and that same power dynamic that comes with being the breadwinner? Or has it changed now that women are now becoming the breadwinners, the sole earners in the household where there's a man who's in the household who does not work or works at a job where he earns substantially less than his partner and in ways in which men would talk about it like her money doesn't even count that's just a little extra change that's how men used to talk about their wives earnings when you know they would say she works part-time at the library or she does her little thing that she's passionate about because they would say oh she just needs something to do there was a power dynamic there and that the roles of gender in society allow for men to have a men usually can exercise and tap into that power dynamic even when they aren't the sole or primary breadwinners. A husband and wife can be two earners in the household and the husband and the wife can make basically the same amount of money and quite often it is expected or perceived that the husband is the leader of the household. And I'm wondering, and I'm not making a decision about it, I'm wondering if if his leading of the household was about the fact that he was the earner. And that's where this came up in history. This is why this was the way in which families were set up is because he was the one who was gonna provide. And therefore he led the family because of that. My question is, what happens when the women are the ones providing? What happens, does that power dynamic shift? Does it allow for women to tap into that power structure and that power space in the household for which she decides, she makes the decisions, she steps into and sits in that power as the breadwinner and the dynamic of the relationship remains solid or does the gender shift 
make it so that women who are breadwinners are not allowed to tap into the same power that came along with a man or still comes along with a man being a breadwinner. Does she get to tap into that or does she not? And she just has to play the role of a wife in in the traditional way that she would have played it if she wasn't the breadwinner yet still be responsible for bringing in the, the money. How does that work? And again, it's not a conversation that ever comes up for men. If a man is a co-earner and him and his wife are both earning money in a household, he still, in some cases, gets to exercise the privilege of being the breadwinner even when he's not. So I'm just curious, and I'd love to hear your your feedback on that. Where do men fit? Where Where does a woman fit? Um, when she is the breadwinner, does she get an opportunity to tap into that power dynamic that came and that still exists when a man is a breadwinner? And again, it's the intersectionality. We're talking about race, gender, and, and, and how this all comes together, right? How does this change when you're a black woman versus a white woman versus a Latina woman versus an Asian woman? Where does the culture of your, of your, your race come in and how does that or at what point does that override societal culture you know cultural things in society and are white women and black women and asian women and latina women experiencing this shift in being the breadwinner the same way because across the board women are earning more right and um in a lot more situations though it's women of color who are becoming breadwinners in their household at a higher rate than white women. So what's happening? Are How are white women experiencing this shift if it's slight? And how does that differ from when the way that black women, Asian women or Latina women experience this shift? How does that happen? Because there's some cultural things that go into it. So again, we're talking about men and women, but we're also talking about um, the, the, the connection of race and the cultural identities. And you can break that down even in between, right? In, in amongst, you could talk about black women, but then you have to break down women who are from a Caribbean descent. You can talk about women who are from, who are, whose connection to Africa, who come from African cultures, variety of African cultures. You can talk about, um, Latina women in a general, you could talk about Latina women who are Mexican, Latina women who are Colombian, Latina women who are Dominican. Like there's a difference. And how does all of that work when we are all as women in general being pushed into and, and into getting higher education, becoming higher earners, you know, trying to get to this spot in society. And how does that come back home to our relationships, being these high earners, being these breadwinners in households? And where does that shift happen in the relationship? And how do men feel about that? How do they deal with that? And again, are women, allowed to tap into and leverage the power of being the breadwinner. And a woman may or may not want to do that. Some women don't want to. They want to be the earners, but they want to allow men to still be the leaders. That's a personal choice. There's no judgment there. It's just a personal choice on how you choose to do it. But my question more is, how are women allowed to access that power? Are they allowed to... You know, finances and money are a very controlling um, element. 
you know, they always say it in, in any environment, in any workspace, he who holds the money holds the power. He or she who holds the money. And so the question becomes if if in fact you are the person who has who earns the money, then do you get to leverage the power that comes along with it? And I wonder how we're in the very early stages of this, if you think about the length of time that this has been going on, but what will happen, what will be required to shift in order for a woman who's a breadwinner to be able to, to for it not even to be a question about whether or not she accesses that power and and whether or not where we will be when the conversation is just that if you are the earner, you hold the power. You know, I know some women in, in same-sex relationships and there's a dynamic there. Again, the earner, the person who's the earner tends to have, be able to boom, step right into and access that power. And it seems that that dynamic from what I've witnessed, that dynamic happens very easily, meaning the earner gets to access the power structure and the be the person who's quote unquote in charge of those kind of family decisions and the decisions of the money because they're the earner, if, especially if this, particularly if they're the sole earner, and that seems to kind of flow and whoever that person is gets to access it and that's it. But I think in a dynamic of male, in, in, in opposite gender, yes, opposite gender relationships, there's still a curiosity around how, how do you move as a woman who is the, who is the sole earner or the high earner and the breadwinner of a family. And then it becomes a question of what should women do in those situations to protect themselves. You know, prenups have always been thought of as negative things. They've always been thought of as as things that men bring to the table because again, historically men are the high earners, right? They are the ones who have the money, the access to everything and the opportunity to be the earners in the household. So the question becomes, how do women go about protecting their finances, particularly when they are the breadwinners or the sole earners? You know, it's a it, it, there's so many different things going on at the same time for women as we transition into these roles that we have not historically been in, we haven't watched our parents in. You know, it, it can become a challenge because how does a woman protect her finances? You know, once you become the earner, the court of law sees you as a person who's responsible for your marital partner. So if you are married and you are a woman and you are the sole earner or the breadwinner in the household, when you and your husband separate, if, you know, if you and your husband separate, the law doesn't look at it and say, well, you're a woman and you're the high earner. So it doesn't apply to you. No, it applies to you. So if you separate from that husband, he can access spousal support. He can access half of your things. In the same way that a woman would separate from her husband and be able to access half of his things. But there's this strange thing in culture, again, that says, oh, why would a man want to take her things? What kind of man is that? But it's the same dynamic as if a woman was the sole, a woman was the beneficiary of a husband who was the sole earner. She would then access his things in a separation. But we, I think we're still kind of not shifted all the way to understanding that. So men have a bad reputation if they do that to a woman and in a, in a separation or a divorce. And women are, are feeling very, they, they, they have a lot of feelings about having to give money in a separation to a man, right? But again, what do you do to protect yourself? Well, how do you protect your finances? 
your 401k, if you are getting a divorce, you know, and you've been married um, to a person for a certain period of time, depending on the state you live in, that person has is is eligible to access half of your retirement savings. How do you, I mean, there's ways in which you can avoid that, but how do you have those conversations with a person prior? You know, men seem to not have the same issue, at least in conversations that I've had with men, to have the same issue or concern about speaking up to a woman and saying, hey, no, you can't have my things, sorry. And women will still marry them anyway. But there's some, there seems to be some trepidation or some hesitancy from women because I think still it's not clear how to function and operate as a woman in these roles. And so there would be some um, hesitancy you know, to be, to kind of step into that role fully and say, hey, you want to marry me? It's going to benefit you. But let me tell you what you are going to have and what you aren't going to have and what it's going to be like if things go left and we have to get a divorce. You're going to get X, you're going to get Y, you're not going to get Z and that's just it. And you should still marry me anyway. Um, that conversation doesn't sound like one I would want to be part of <laughs> because it sounds like one that could cause a, a great amount of challenge in a relationship, particularly a cultural, we're back to race and and culture at the same time, particularly if culturally the men in your lives have not shifted into this new paradigm of how things go. If they have not shifted in that space, they still believe themselves to be the dominant part of the relationship and therefore the dominant default leader in a relationship and it's very challenging to be the leader of a relationship um, in the way that sometimes men can think based on culture they're supposed to lead a relationship if you do not also to come with the bag so that's a challenge and that's a hard one and it's very hard for men sometimes to shift in the same way it's challenging for women to shift so what do you do and how does that work and I don't have any answers today. I just have a lot of questions um, because again, we're in Women's History Month, Women's History Month, and there are so many shifts happening for women in their finances. Women are earning more. Women are, you know, in higher level positions. Women go to work sometimes where they are in charge of everything, and not only are they in charge of everything at work, they come home to a household where they are earning. Um, the majority of the money in the household, if not all. And they're um, black women and Latino women and Asian women um, are, and white women are coming home to a person who's used to being, who may, not always, some people, some men are totally fine with this, but the position of the man is used to being the one who is the earner and also the one who's in charge. And so I've heard women say, you know, yes, I earn all the money, but I make every effort to make him feel like he is, he's still the man, right? This is a quote unquote, he's still the man. So, you know, I do these things to make sure he still feels like the man. Even though I bring in the money, I let him decide how we're gonna, how we're gonna, if we're gonna move, I let him decide. I let him decide on where we should go on vacation. I let him decide on all these things that would, that he would be deciding on if he made all the money. And now I'm gonna make a statement. So those were all questions. Now I'm gonna make a statement. I think that it's, it's, for women to lose their, there's a power that comes with being the person who earns more money. Whatever, however we feel about that power, that is a fact because money does generate power. And so there's a power that comes along with that. And the fact that women tend, because of cultural things, to relinquish that power, 
They relinquish that power that comes along with being the high earner in order to have what gets considered probably peace or a certain type of dynamic in their household. I think that that is something we need to explore greater and deeper because why? Why in, in every other instance, if you all on the internet and you read everything, everyone's telling women, don't diminish your power. Step into your power. Be your most powerful, powerful self. And so there is a power and we cannot deny it. There is a power dynamic that comes from being the person with the money in a relationship. And so why do women tend, and I'm not saying all, saying why do women tend to relinquish that power and be so willing to relinquish that power in a relationship in order to make a man feel as though he has the power. It's a transfer of power. And in society, men are still earning more. So if you and your husband, you and your partner had the same level of education and were doing the same job, your husband would be earning way more. So what it boils down to is that if you and your husband are not earning more, um, you, and if he, you and him are not earning the same, at some point, there's probably a difference in the level of education you have. There's probably a difference in the type of work that you do that is so substantial and so significant as to how you could be earning the same as him. Because factually, actually, if you guys were doing the same job, he'd be earning more than you, more than likely. So why do men get are allowed to have the power without even doing the work, but women who do the work and have the, the, the earning in a space where they should have the power, why is it being encouraged that they relinquish that power in order to make what people say to make it work, to make a marriage work, to make a relationship work, a woman needs to still sit in a subservient or a, or a, a position where it allows the man to have the power regardless of what the dynamic of the financial dynamic is. That's a lot of questions. It's a lot of things that maybe will take time and culture to shift because this is a new paradigm. We're in a new space. It's about this, in, that, that this is very different. This is a very different experience based on your, your, your race, based on your culture. Um, and it becomes a really big question because women have to protect their finances, protect their space around money. Um, and also, if you're a high earner and you're so and you're the earner or you're the breadwinner in a household, should women step into that space, into that power space? Because you will be treated as such in the court of law. You will be treated as such if you were to go into a divorce situation. You will be treated as the high as the breadwinner and you will be, you know, quote unquote penalized as such, meaning you will have to pay that person. So if through the entirety of the relationship you did not step into your power space of being the breadwinner. And then you separate and now you have to give away your money as if you were the power space, you were in that space, you might have some concerns. Or you may not. These are just my questions about it. And again, some people will argue that there is no power dynamic, you know, that men don't have the power when they're the earners. I disagree, but I'm open to the conversation. I think that money does bring power in a relationship because it, there are things that can be done. And I wonder why men are inherently able to step into that power without any hesitancy and why now women are kind of slowly or slow to step into that um, for many, many reasons, particularly because it, it appears or it seems as if, if as a woman stepping into that, you're taking a power away from a man. And um, that may not be something that works culturally for you in your, in your relationship and your dynamic. So this is a really important conversation that's, you know, goes bigger and beyond, you know, just us talking about it, but I would like to broach it. I wanted to bring it up and see 
where we can kind of go. It's a different way of talking about the conversation. It's not to be, it's not to kind of speak to one way or the other. And it's really not to, to be um, critical of any one, any way that anyone wants to do it. I'm just wondering about the dynamic, who steps into what, what power exists, how women can protect their finances in in any situation, particularly in a situation where she is the breadwinner in, in their relationship, how can she protect her finances? So I'm going to wrap that up today. Please, I would love to hear your feedback on this. I'm going to put up some um, Facebook and Instagram posts about it so we can talk about it. I want to hear what you guys have to say about it, what you think about it, what you think about that intersectionality um, when it comes to race and gender and how this all kind of mixes together and causes the perfect storm for some really serious conversations about money. And who has the power when it comes to money. Um, thank you so much for listening today. Um, again, don't forget to check me out on Termagent Talk, which is a weekly podcast, a weekly hip hop podcast I was able to join. And you can find it on all platforms, Apple, um, SoundCloud, Spotify, all the platforms where you find um, podcasts. And um, if you're if you have a conservative um, ear and you don't like a lot of cussing and talking about very vile things, don't listen because I was cussing and talking about vile things because I was talking about my girl Trina and it doesn't that doesn't happen without a few cuss words. So, but please go on and show some support, subscribe, follow them on social media, and if you haven't already done so, follow me on Instagram at Financial Emancipation. Follow me on Twitter at FIN Emancipation. Um, follow me on Facebook. Join the Facebook group Financial Emancipation. And if you have any questions, you want to give me some feedback, send me a DM on on um on Instagram. You can send me an email at Malik M A L I E K at thefinancialemancipation.com. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope you'll be back as we continue to discuss the ways in which you can walk towards your financial emancipation, getting free from the burden of your finances. Have a great day. <laughs>